0: Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Good evening, dear listeners. Tonight I welcome veteran TV actor David Marciano, who has appeared on shows like Homeland, The Shield, Judging Amy, Sons of Anarchy. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Now, David is a self-described character actor over 50 who sees himself as a poet who struggles against the marketing machine that Hollywood and TV land has become. Tonight, we'll get into the craft of acting and the business and marketing side of acting. Now, you can follow David on Twitter at... David Marciano that's M A R C I A N O Now from uh the web here we have a short bio of uh, Mr Marciano he is a professional actor writer director who has achieved considerable success in a vast career that has spanned over 25 years as a series regular Mr Marciano has had the honor of working with such entertainment luminaries as Stephen Bosco, who brought David into America's home on a weekly basis in Civil Wars as Jeffrey Lassick. His second series was a CBS drama, Due South, created by Oscar winner Paul Haggis. Here, David was able to bring his flair for comedy to the buddy cop genre on the streets of Chicago as Detective Ray Vecchio So I see that uh, David is on the line so let me go ahead and bring him On in Good
1: evening, Good evening David Yes how are you William Hey what's up man I'm doing fantastic out here In Southern California The uh, The sun is down but it's not dark Yet enjoying the cool Early evening breeze Ah,
0: ha, ha, ha. That sounds nice all right, man. Well, this uh, Thanks for coming on the show, man. This is going to be fantastic.
1: You're welcome, my friend.
0: All right. All right. So uh, let's just plunge right in. So tell me about what you call the poet's life.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Well, I call all artists, and that falls under musicians, actors, songwriters, Painters, sculptors, all anyone who is an artist is a poet of some form. And the reason why I, I, I call them poets is because of all of the art forms, the poet has the least chance of making millions of dollars, right? The songwriter can make millions of dollars. The actor can make millions of dollars. A painter, after he or she dies, can make millions of dollars. But a poet, chances of a poet making millions of dollars is very, 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 very slim. So when I say we as artists live the poet's lifestyle, because we don't know if we're ever going to get paid to do what we love to do, to the gift that's been given us. And that's right. what I mean by the poets, but that, you know, actors and all artists of all kinds live the poet's lifestyle and must be prepared to do that. As yes, absolutely. They, live, they, must, they must be prepared to live in poverty uh, for, for the love of their art. And then there's those of exactly. us who get lucky. There's those of us who get <laughs> lucky and, uh, you know, doesn't mean we're any more talented than the other. We just happen to uh, – it's in our lucky stars. That's right. That's right. So now, what's the difference
0: in your mind between show business and the craft of acting?
1: Well, uh, show business and and the the art of acting or the craft. There's two. There's there's yeah. The it's called the art of acting and the craft of acting. Let's let's start with yeah. that first. Um yeah. And there's there's a handful of artists. Daniel Day-Lewis is an artist. Meryl Streep is an artist. But they also craft their characters. But they are true artisans of what this this thing that we call acting. Um, Sean Penn would be an artist. And then there's actors who are just actors who treat it treat acting as if it's just a job and they go to work every day and they're not really concerned about uh, so much about crafting a character and creating this memorable uh, uh, persona that will live on for, for eternity. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Mark Harmon. Love Mark. Great guy. It's an actor. It's a job he knows what he's doing. He's selling soap. He goes to work every day. He learns his lines. He says he doesn't bump into the furniture and he's very happy to do it.
0: And he's not interested in winning <laughs> an
1: Emmy. He's not interested right. in, you know, getting the accolades of being the greatest actor. And then there are who, people who want to be the greatest actor. And uh, so that's the difference between the art and the, and, you know, the actor and the artist. Um, yeah. yeah. In show business, I don't know. I mean, show business is all about commerce now. It's owned by corporations. So, yeah, um, you know, if you want to, the theater is the place where the actor lives, where right. his heart lives. His or her heart lives in the theater, right? That's not show business. That's, that's, that's the true art at its, at its original form. And didn't show businesses, you know, TV and movies and commercials and soap operas. And it's more of a commerce now than it is art. It's more business than it is show. That's right. That's right. So do
0: you think that actors are born or made?
1: Well, I, I can't speak for all actors. Um I think I I believe in destiny. I believe that we all have a calling. I believe that Tiger Woods was born to be a golfer. I think Uh that LeBron James was born to be a basketball player. Um, Because there's you know, there's nothing else. I believe that I was born to be an actor, but I didn't know that. See, here's the here's the. I didn't know that was my calling until I was twenty-one. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what I was supposed to do. I did not know that that was my bliss, my passion. I did not know that this is what was going to give me the most joy. I did not know that this is something that I would do for the rest of my life and be willing to live in poverty, to do it just for the love of doing it. Yeah. You know, David, because you were growing up in in
0: Jersey, and the Mm -hmm. word on the street, man, you had a mind for numbers. And in fact, you were so good, you were actually on two Dean's List. So how did you wind up from you know, being good with numbers of math and biochemistry and, and mm-hmm. choosing
1: acting? Um, when, I was, when I took my SATs, I took something called an aptitude test. It's, the, uh, it's called the APT test. You can look it up online and you can take it today. It is uh, career planning. And the APT test is 100 random questions, or at least it was in 1977. I don't know what it is now, but it was 100 random questions, no right or wrong answers, just likes and dislikes, multiple choice results come out in three professions. Three professions were a mathematician, architect, and actor. So I go in to see my guidance counselor, and he says, this is the the oddest grouping of professions I've seen. I've seen all 150 of your classmates uh, uh, professions and he goes I understand Mathematician because you get all A's in math He said I understand Architect because between this third one Which is creative And, the, and mathematician The architect makes sense because you got to know geometry And then you also have to know aesthetics Because you have to yeah. create a beautiful Building he says well, what can you tell me about This acting thing I said I don't know He says I can see by your uh, transcripts You've never taken an acting class I said no he said, "Have you been in any of the plays here at school?" I said, "No." He said, "Do you know anybody in the drama department?" I said, "Yeah. You know, there's this one guy, Tom, and let me tell you something. Tom is suspect. I don't know what's wrong. With, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Tom, but I want no part of it or him." And that was the end of that. So I go to college to be a biomedical engineer, and after one year of that, I I drop out of engineering. And I try accounting because I'm really good at math. And then I try uh, economics because I'm really good at math. And I hated it. And I was done. I was a sophomore, and I called my mom, and I said, I'm coming home. She said, no, you're not. I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. She says, look, I've already paid for school. I've saved the money. So finish it. Pick something. Fine. I don't care what you do. Just Just pick a major and do something. I said, well, I don't know what I want to do. She goes, remember that aptitude test? I said, yeah. She goes, why don't you take an acting class? (laughs) And I said, Mom, you know what I know about acting? I go to the movies, and there they are. And in 1980, that's how much I knew about acting. And she said, look, no matter what you do in life, you're going to have to get up in front of people and give presentations. I'm in insurance for 34 years, and before our salespeople go out into the field, we have them take an acting class to get comfortable with the one-on-one experience. It could only help you. So to appease my mother, I, uh, one semester I took Statistics 2, Accounting 2. I took Acting 1, and I took another drama class called Stage and Body Movement 1. And halfway through that semester, I withdrew from Statistics and Accounting, and I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, you
0: know, uh, I want to move toward marketing, kind of switch gears and talk about that. So how mm-hmm. can actors create relationships with casting directors?
1: Okay, good question. So they have uh, – so you come to town, you know no one, right? And how do, how do we know to buy Coca-Cola? How do we know to buy Marlboros? How do we know how to buy anything? Well, They advertise it. So I tell – so here's what I did. I came to town, nobody knew me. So I got the trade paper. And I picked 10 casting directors that were casting TV shows that I thought I was right for. And I sent them a headshot and a resume on week one. And then every week I followed up with a postcard. I didn't say anything on it. Oh, I, oh remember the show, Who's the Boss? Yeah. With Tony Dandas. So on time uh-huh. I, sent that yeah, casti- yeah. I sent that casting director a postcard. I said, who's the boss? You are. How about a job? Right? Just <laughs> stupid nice. stuff like that. Right. Yeah, just silly <laughs> stuff like that. Real short, real sweet. And after eight months, I was sending a postcard every week to ten casting directors. So do the math. Eight times four, that's thirty two postcards. Ten casting directors yeah. got my face and my name in front of them thirty two times in eight months. I got two calls. I got a call from this one guy. He said, uh, is this David Marciano? I said, yes, it is. He goes, I'm so-and-so. Uh, and uh, I'm looking at 14 postcards on my desk from you. Anybody who's that persistent deserves an interview. Why don't you be in my office Monday morning? And I nice. got my first appointment with that. I got my first appointment. And then do um, you remember a show called Dear John? Oh, yeah. I right, Dear John starred Judd Hirsch. And, um, I sent my postcard to this casting director, Randy Stone, great guy. Has uh, passed since. And my postcard came across his desk, and they were looking to cast the role of Kirk. And Kirk was played by, ended up getting cast by Jerry Burns. But I got the opportunity on my own, with no representation, to audition for a series regular on an Ed Weinberger show. Ed Weinberger created Taxi. And he created Dear John. And I got a shot at that because I marketed myself, right? Marketing is very important. It's, look, you got to have the talent, but it's about who you know. the Relationships that you create, it's all about relationships. And marketing is very important. As a matter of fact, I got a new postcard going out, right? I'm in the business 30 years. I don't need to send postcards out. I got a new postcard coming out in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to send it all around town because you never know. There's... I can't remember every actor every day. Yeah. My postcard comes across their desk on Monday. They're like, Oh yeah. Dave Marciano. God, I haven't thought about him in months, man. Yeah. He's awesome. Boom. They throw it away. That's okay. Postcard. The postcard has done its job. The postcards don't get me a job. What they do is they keep David Marciano, like the product of Coca-Cola, like the product of Marlboro, fresh in the minds of the people who are buying it?
0: Right. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and you know that uh, I'd read somewhere that in marketing, it's a basic tenet: if they, if a person or consumer sees something at least five times, I think it takes at least five times before it even registers. Right. You know, it's, it's, 17,
1: like it's seventeen. I mean, you just got to yes, get at it. And it's seventeen times before it becomes permanent in their subconscious. Yeah, 17 times yeah. before it becomes permanent in the subconscious. So that's I just why I send something. them. That's why I send them out. Because my, <laughs> my name is my name is permanently embedded in their subconscious because they've seen it 17 right. times.
0: So right. I send them out three
1: times right. a month. I send them out. I send them out every 10 days. Boom, boom, boom. I don't want to be too crazy. Sometimes I, you know, I used to send them out once a week which is four times a month. Now I send them out three times a month. But I haven't done it in years, you know, because I've gotten a considerable amount of success. So, But it's time. It's time to uh, refresh some people's memories. Okay. So
0: now you got to talk about how the business has changed as far as, you know, we just talked about marketing, but as actors get over a certain age, let's say they're over 35, they're in the 40s, they're in the 50s, mm-hmm. How should they approach marketing differently?
1: Well, here, here's the. I can only. Spe- I don't know all the statistics for, uh, for all the different types of actors. But what I can tell you about the white male is that 66% of all roles for white males go to white males 30 and under. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, you can play that till you're 35, right? Uh-huh. Sneaking, right? But once you get to 35, now you're fighting for a thir- instead of two thirds of the pie, you're fighting for uh-huh. a third of the pie. And uh-huh. the actors who are still in the game are the ones who have been working, right? The ones who haven't been working, who've been trying, are starting to fall by the wayside. So, yes, there may be less actors. Around, but the ones that have stayed are the really, really, really good ones. So now the competition stiffens. So the right. Competition competition increases. the uh, The amount of opportunities lessen, and it gets harder and harder to get a job as you get older.
0: There was mm. a study.
1: Yes, there was a study done at the uh, at USC, the Annenberg uh, uh, Department. They studied feature films last year. 11% of the characters were 60 or older.
0: Mm. Wow, and it's harder for women, too.
1: Oh, yeah, even more. It's harder for women, yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm,
0: mm. And then once you get into
1: actors of color, once you get into actors of color, then it even gets even harder.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's rough, it's rough. It is, it is. So,
1: David, go ahead. Um, No, I'm good. So...
0: I'm going to talk about, uh, do you think that actors should star in reality shows? Is that a good move?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Look, if you can make a living on television selling or creating a persona that becomes marketable, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. What a network will give a series. Well, not so much today. But if you win American Idol or if you win Survivor, you got a better chance of getting on a TV show than an actor who who didn't. Because <clears throat> they can uh-huh. market you. It's all about marketing today.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. A lot more than
1: it used to be. Les Moonves, CEO of uh, uh, CBS Entertainment. And he was being interviewed by Tim Russert. Remember Tim? Uh-huh. And he said, uh, he said Les, if I'm coming in to pitch a show to you, what's it going to take for you to greenlight it? And he said, 50% of my decision is I want to know who the showrunner is. 25% of my decision is does it fit into my schedule? And the other 25% of it is, can I market it? Hmm. And I bet you those yep. numbers are higher now. I bet you those numbers are higher in the marketing now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. They yeah, probably are. Probably, probably are.
1: Yeah. So David, we got to talk
0: about your, your type, your archetype. So, how long did it take you to figure out what your type was?
1: <laughs> so I'm in uh, at Northeastern University, and I'm studying drama. And this guy comes in from L.A., <clears throat> and he's going to do a little seminar. And so he sits in the acting class, and after everybody's done, he says, okay, that was great. He says, "Look, I know you all want to be Laurence Olivier or Meryl Streep. He goes, but the truth is, in Hollywood, the apple doesn't fall." And I, and he goes, and I'm talking specifically about television. He said, "The apple doesn't fall that far from the tree." He goes, "The best advice I could give you is find your type, perfect it, and then sell it, which is market it. But find, find right. your type, your your archetypes, All right perfect those archetypes, work on creating a persona around those archetypes. Um, a perfect example of that would be Pee Wee Herman, Paul Reubens, mm-hmm. right? Paul Rubens created this character, Pee Wee Herman, and he was able to market that and it became a huge success for a long, long time. That's the antithesis. I mean, not the antithesis. That's like the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, Pentultimate, you know, example of somebody doing exactly that. Um, so I started asking people, what's my type, anybody, anybody in the drama department, any teacher, anybody, said, what's my type, what's my type. And one guy said, um, you're, uh, a drug addict. Another guy said, <laughs> you're, you're a drug dealer. Another guy <laughs> said, "Used car salesman. Another guy said, like a, like, a, like a street gang person, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, are you guys telling me I'm street scum? They go, yep. I said, okay, if you think I'm street scum, I'm going to become the best street scum this town ever saw. And that's what that's I did. Right. I, I started working on, I did every scene from the Pope of Greenwich Village. I did every scene from The Godfather. I did, you know, I did used cars, used car salesman scenes, crooked, cop, dirty cop scenes. I just created this sort of, you know, and there's, there's, there's tons of mafia movies. And I grew up in Newark, New Jersey with guys mm-hmm. like Johnny Dimps, Tommy Motorola, and The Weasel. You know, we were short con, wannabe wise guys. So I created that persona. Sit back, my hair, put on some rings and a gold chain, little little three piece suit, and was like, "Hey, yo, what's up?" Hey, you know, Andrew Dice <laughs> Clay is <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay is a great example of, of that. exactly, you know, creating that persona. <laughs> and that's Excellent. how you get in. You Excellent. get your foot in the door. You get your foot in the door. Listen, if you're from Oklahoma and you grew, up, you grew up on the rodeo circuit and you grew up on a farm and you're a shit kicker, then you know what? You become the best shit kicker this town ever saw. And that's how you get your that's foot in the right. door. And once you get the foot in the door, then you can start to branch out. There you go.
0: Excellent, man. Okay, David, looks like we have uh, the switchboards are lining up, man. I think we might have a have a caller here. Uh They're uh, 111. So, 111, I'm going to bring you on. And when I say hello, uh, you're on the air. Just uh, ask a question if you have one. Okay, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello.
1: Okay, I think.
0: Okay, I don't know what that was. Sorry, about he, was that. Watching, he, was he was watching. watching. He was watching.
1: He was watching an episode of Wise Guy that I'm in. I think that that's right, background. man. Right, that's <laughs> right. That's what
0: he was doing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so David, um, yes. as far as your style, you know, uh, Bruce Lee talks about, you know, what's your style and all this kind of stuff. Would you consider yourself anti-method?
1: No, no, not at all. I. um... I use a lot of the method in my work, not as much as I did when I was younger. But um, I, I, you know, you, you have to get a, a, a bag of tools. You have to get a tool, you have to get a toolbox. You have to get a, a toolkit, you know, as a, as an actor. You got to get your little bag of tricks. And um, I, I, I've taken from all philosophies of acting, you know. I've taken from Stanislavski and I I've taken from uh, Uta Hagen. I've taken from uh, Sanford Meisner. Uh, so I, I never miss an opportunity to study with anybody or anyone. And then I learn something from their style, and I and I incorporate it into, into mine.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, so we're going to get a little deep here. So, I know you probably have a strong opinion about this, but what's your take on actors who push against producers when they have creative differences?
1: I have some personal <laughs> I have some personal experience with that. Um, I would say, don't do it. It's not worth it. You know, you're all you're doing is alienating the hand that feeds you. Um, I, you know, especially in television, it's so fast. They don't have a lot of time. They don't want to butt heads with anybody. You know, they just want you to get in there, say your lines, you know, hit your mark, do what they ask you to do and be grateful for doing it and get the hell out of there and collect your paycheck. Um, if you have any questions, you must address those questions before you get to the set. It's okay to have questions if you don't understand something. It's okay to fight for what you believe in creatively, but you do that before you get on the floor. Because once we're on the floor, it's game time, and we only yeah. have so many hours. We only have so many hours to get the job done, and we don't need somebody creating uh, uh, some creative uh, conflict while we're trying to get our day done. And so I would say to any actor, um, go see the writer the day before, a couple days before you're going to shoot your scene and and hash it out then so that when you get to the floor, everybody's on the same page and we can get this done quickly and smoothly and and you get a good reputation because that's the last thing you want is a bad reputation because you don't make a living in this business unless you get repeat business and you're not going to get any repeat business if you're costing people money wasting their time. Yeah. Just not.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's some folks that just get hired over and over. I mean, like Dennis fans, people like that, they've just been around forever mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. They, and they just uh, follow, follow the leader. So speaking of which, um, Stephen Botchko and Paul Haggis, um, what did you learn from, from working with them?
1: You know, working with Botchko, they took a lot of time and energy in uh, something that he would call quality control, which was they would spend hours and months in perfecting a script. Right, and you know, and they would just get the script and they would understand the script. And the writers and the producers, you know, they fine-tune it. And then if the director wasn't one of the producers, they would call him in 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 the pre-production meeting, and they would have something called a tone meeting. And that means the, the writers and the producers tell the director, this is what we want from each actor in each one of these scenes. So the director would have his or her marching orders, right? We're all just soldiers, Right? Right. And and so the general and the colonels would give the order to the sergeant, which is the director. And then the sergeant would come down to the set, and he would say, okay, let's have a rehearsal. Right? And everybody would do a rehearsal, and he'd say, uh, okay, that's great. Now, here's what I was thinking. <laughs> and he would just – and he really wasn't thinking anything. He was just doing what he was told. And then he would impart that to us, and then we would, you know, do what we were told. But at the I didn't know that, right? So my first series was Civil Wars, which was with Stephen Bosco, so And no one told me that if I had issues with anything was I was supposed to take them up with the producers, you know, before we got on the floor. <clears throat> and um, I sometimes didn't like what they wanted me to do. It just didn't feel right, didn't seem right. And so I would question the director's uh, vision
0: Man. and
1: he would, and um you know uh so what I learned from working with Botchko was is that, look, it's already been decided on how we want to do this. The director he has a job to do, and that's to get out of the actors what the general or his or as Botchko likes to call himself, the Grand Poobah, <laughs> has asked him to do, and that's you know, and that's that. Now, working with Haggis, Haggis was uh, he's not this way today, but you know, when we worked together, he um, he 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 didn't have the ability to uh, delegate uh, authority and responsibility. He 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 wouldn't even. He would be on the set every day, and he'd be looking over the director's shoulder. And so, the problem with working with Haggis back in the day was you were trying to serve two masters, right? So you had Haggis, who was the showrunner and the writer, and he basically wrote every every episode. Uh, and <clears throat> then you'd have the director and the director would be trying to get a performance out of you and then Haggis would be whispering to the director and then the director would come and then the director couldn't get it and then Haggis would come and say, why aren't you doing it the way? And then, like, we're trying. And so it became... It would be this triangulation that would happen and um, it became very difficult to... um, Very difficult to... uh, um, craft a performance or or you just never knew you never knew and and then finally you just stopped listening to either one of them you know and you just yeah. uh, um I guess so what it taught me what it taught me was to um every situation is different that one taught me to just trust myself just trust yeah. myself um yeah and 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 don't get caught up in trying to please too many people because you can't. You know, you, you, you yeah. can't serve two masters. You can't. So in that situation, it was, it was very challenging. And then I've been on some sets where, like, I just finished doing Shooter, this new show on uh, USA that's going to be premiering sometime in November. And John Lavin is the executive producer. And John's like, Dave, what do you want to do? Hey Dave, let, let's do this. Let's let's. Yeah, I know I wrote that, but don't worry about that. Come on, let's let's muck it up. You know, have some fun. Add some stuff there for me. Ah,
0: oh, now you're in heaven, Now you're in heaven. Right? right.
1: In heaven. You know, you're not handcuffed. Right. And that's the, that's the one thing about working for Botchko or a guy like Aaron Sorkin, or or Haggis, is that creatively you're kind of handcuffed. There's really no collaboration. You're a soldier. Oh. And you are you got marching orders and, you know, you do it as they say it or, uh, you know, see it later. And mm. they make they make good TV. Look, I'm not saying that they don't. But they don't make it fun for the actor. Just not fun for the actor. They're kind of like, sound like an autocratic
0: coach. It also sounds like, I've heard that about David Mamet, too. He's like, I think he was quoted as saying, you know, I can write a script and... It doesn't matter about the actors. My act, if my actors do it, I tell them to do it. And they fit in my. It's like a football coach. If they follow my system, you know they'll be superior. It's a script is like almighty.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, that's tough, you know. act again. You're not going to do that to an artist. You see, they don't want artists because an artist doesn't do that. An artist right. takes what you've given them and create and elevates it, takes it to yeah. another level. An artist will take what he sees on that page and, and show you something that you never imagined. But an actor will mm. just do whatever you tell him to do, and he will say it, and he will go home and collect his paycheck. And sometimes yeah. actors actors do better in this business than artists, because it takes time yeah. to create art. It takes time and collaboration to create, you know. But to just go out it's there and you the say that. Yeah,
0: because that uh, there are some directors, some of the directors on um, some of my favorite shows, uh like Sons of Anarchy for example, they'll actually they'll actually run a scene, they'll actually rehearse a little bit. Then there's other sets where it's like it's bam, 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 thank you, ma'am, you know, is it in focus? Let's move on. And you know, mm-hmm. there's different styles there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and every every uh, show is run a little differently.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So talking about art, tell me about your writing.
1: Um, yeah, I got a couple of projects I'm working on. I got a, um, I got a project that uh, revolves around um, Oso Blanco, which is the most notorious and deadliest maximum security prison on the island of Puerto Rico whose inmates run the entire island and eastern seaboard, sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling, and gun trade from within the prison walls. Hmm. And then I got another one about uh, caregivers, that's another t v show about caregivers. I'm a caregiver for my autistic son and um that's the that's a story about um uh, an advocate uh a woman who was raised in the convent but is not a nun and uh, what she does is she provides respite for the caregivers so for example, well shields one of her functions at the community center or the church is that I'll drop my boy off there on a Saturday and another person in the neighborhood will drop their elderly mother off. Another person will drop their blind sister off to this woman, Maggie McKenna on a Saturday and she'll take them to the the park on a picnic or she'll take them to universal studios or to the pool. And so we, the caregivers can get a day off and we get some time to, uh, to ourselves, and it's a story. It's called New Haven. It's about a community in which um, she is also butting up against the church. Um, she was raised in the convent, and um, she doesn't agree with any of the tenets of the church, and she wants to make changes. And the church, mm. the church, is not happy with the changes that she's imparting amongst to the community hmm. and so they're going to try and um, stifle her and um, she refuses to be stifled so it's a show about a fighter who fights for those who can't fight for themselves nice nice a lot of
0: conflict a lot of drama there
1: okay oh, yeah. david oh, yeah.
0: we're just we're just about through here i guess want a couple more questions and we'll wrap up okay do you see yourself being a director
1: um, not in television. I've directed some short <laughs> subject. I, Cause I don't, I, you know, it's, there's very little room for creativity in television. There's just no time, you know, you're, you're shooting seven pages a day. And like, like I said, you got your marching orders and you got to get it done and, um, you're under a time constraint all the time. So it's not a lot of fun. Um, but, um, I like the, uh, the documentary format. Excuse me. So um yeah, yeah, I mean I've directed a couple of um short subject documentaries and I've done some docucoms, which are commercials shot in documentary style.
0: Good. Um yeah. And short um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. What would you say is your unique superpower as an actor?
1: Um, my heart I create oh. characters that have a heart that make people yeah, that draw people in and make people feel um uh, empathy for or or sympathy for excellent, excellent.
0: Okay. So, uh, you talked about shooter, uh, talk about uh, the other current projects and uh, what's next.
1: Um, so just real quick about shooter, shooter stars, Ryan, Felipe, Omar Epps, myself, uh, Cynthia, Adai Robinson. Um, it's a story about uh, the most decorated sniper in Marine Corps history who is now retired and, uh, the government comes and tries to get him to come out of retirement, and um, he—I uh, can't give too much away—but um, in the pilot episode, he is—it uh, looks like he's done something that um, uh, we would want no soldier to do, and it's our job in the FBI to try to bring him in because he's on the run. And the whole first season is about him being on the run and us trying to 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 bring him in for. a a crime he may or may not have committed. Um, and then the other show I'm working on, and I play the FBI director. Uh, okay. In that. And, nice. and then the other show I'm working on is called Bosch. Bosch is a, uh, a cop. Um, I'd say it's modern day noir. Um, yeah. A modern day noir cop show starring Titus Welliver. <clears throat> he plays the role of Harry Bosch which is based on the Michael Connelly movies. Oh, I'm sorry, based on the Michael Connelly novels. novels. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I did um, I did several episodes last season, and I'm going to do a bunch more this season. And uh, we're in the middle of shooting that right now. Awesome, and, uh, awesome. Yeah, and, and tell everybody to look for Shooter this November on uh, USA Network. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, David. It was a pleasure, man. I hope to have you on the show again one day. You, you know a lot about the business.
1: You've been around a while. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Twenty. It'll okay. be thirty years in February. I'll Excellent. be celebrating thirty Excellent. years in show business in uh, February. So, yeah. Well, thank you for having me, William. It's been uh, been great chatting with you, and um, I look forward to doing it again.
0: Fantastic. Okay, man. Have a great night. Ah, right, you too. Okay. Bye, bye. All right, folks out there in radio land, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night. Looking for a show to see this weekend? Look no further than DC Metro Theater Arts. They've got reviews, Q&As with actors, and much, much more. Visit DCMetroTheaterArts.com. That's DCMetroTheaterArts.com. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat of my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my dead Make the town no one can find it.